Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast, where somebody's got to say it. For this episode, you are going to come into my home and come to church with us. I'm the pastor of an independent Baptist church in Grand Junction, Colorado, called the Church of Grace. We just started putting our services up online. You can find the videos on the Bible Thumper podcast Facebook page and YouTube channel, and you can listen to them anywhere you would download a podcast. So welcome to the Church of Grace. We are currently going through the book of Acts, and tonight we are covering chapter 25. So here we go. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Church of Grace. Tonight is our second evening that we are going to be live. So if you cannot make it here for some reason, we're on Facebook and YouTube. So that means all the mistakes I make are there for everyone to pick apart later. So we're going to get into Acts chapter 25 tonight, and we're going to go through the whole chapter, hopefully. Uh, Let's start off with a word of prayer, and we'll jump in after that. Lord, you are truly awesome, and you're amazing. You have all the wisdom and knowledge. God, you are all-powerful. You're the creator. And God, we are at best sinners. And we are so grateful, Lord, that you made a way for us to go to heaven when we die. We're so grateful that you would even listen to our prayers. And God, I just want to thank you for having a bunch of folks come together to study the Bible and uh, worship you tonight. God, I want to thank you that we still live in this great country where, uh, you know, a bunch of us got a real encouraging shot in the arm over the last couple of days, just that you are working here in America and you do care about the people here and, and you're making things happen. And uh, Lord, I'm grateful that we still can meet together and uh, study the Bible, you know, publicly. And God, I want to ask for your help tonight as we study in the book of Acts. Uh, certainly, please speak through me. God, I pray that you'd help us to all learn something from the Bible that we didn't know before. Please help us to learn something that you have just for us to help us change so we can be more like you and less like us in this coming week. God, I want to pray for uh, the peace of Jerusalem. I want to pray for Israel and that you would uh, take care of the nation of Israel, that you would see those folks saved and you would protect them from their enemies. God, I want to pray that you would uh, uh, show any of us, if we are not 100% sure that heaven's our home, that we could know for sure how we can be saved and go to heaven when we die. God, I want to ask wherever we are with you, whether we're having a good week or a bad week, you would please speak to us personally in some way and make sure that we know just that you love us and you're here with us and, and you want us to be doing better and be more like you. And God, we need your help. We love you. And in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay. Um, if, uh, if you guys are not friends with me on Facebook, uh, you might have missed uh, a big answer to prayer that we've been praying for for a while. Uh, Louis's back pain, which on a scale of 1 to 10, got turned all the way up to 11. And uh, it's been like that for a long time. And I got to stop by and see Louis just two days ago, maybe, at his house. And uh, got out and he gave me a hug, which is different because I'd usually go to give him a hug and he'd give me one of these, you know, like I'm a vampire because his back has been hurting so bad. And he told me that his back pain is at a zero. And we've been praying about that for a long time. So I think of that as an amazing answer to prayer, and I'm grateful for that. So if you guys have any other prayers that you need answered that seem impossible, tell me. Um, I don't think God listens to me. If I were God, I wouldn't listen to me. But I have six wonderful kids, and five of them get up in the morning, every morning with me to read the Bible and pray, and they will pray for you. And if I was God, I would listen to their prayers because they're adorable. Okay. Acts chapter 25, we're going to jump in here and see how this goes. I don't know if we need to do too much of a review, so we'll try to just do a real brief one. Paul has been locked up for two years. Where has Paul been locked up? No. It is not Jerusalem. Good try. Close to Jerusalem. Washington? 
No, it's not in Rome, although he will be locked up there twice before he dies. We're not there yet. Anyone else? Caesarea, good job from our first-time visitor. Caesarea. So Paul was locked up in Caesarea. We're going to go over where that is and talk about it in a little bit. He was in Jerusalem, and the captain of the guard, I don't remember his name, it might be in my notes, uh, was fearful that the Jews were plotting to kill Paul, so he removed him by night under armed guard and brought him up to Caesarea where he could be held safely until he could go to trial. We're, so we're going to get into all that. So Paul was in Caesarea. Hey, James, good to see you, buddy. Tell me your name again. Taylor, thanks for coming. And Carlos, what's up, buddy? Good-looking haircut. Come on in. Make yourself comfortable. <clears throat> okay. What's that? He has questions? Oh, yeah. We're live now, Carlos. So your questions better be good. All right. Sorry for those of you at home. <clears throat> we're back to it. So the we were just going over a brief review. So Paul was in Caesarea for two years and he has been locked up. And what did Paul say? What is Paul waiting for? What does Paul want to do? He does not want to be in jail. That's correct. But he has to go through a process. And what did Paul request? What did he ask for? MacArthur. Nope. Louis? He is waiting for a court hearing, but where? This is important. This dictates the rest of his life. He wants to go to Rome. He appeals to Caesar. And because Paul is a Roman citizen, he has the right to do that. So he is going to end up uh, speaking to the most powerful man on earth. And that was a prophecy that Jesus told about Paul when he was first called. He says, you're going to appear before kings. Okay, you are going to talk to the most important people and you're going to tell them about me. All right, so let's read verses 1 through 12. So turn with me to Acts chapter 25 and follow along. I'm going to read 12 verses and then we'll jump in and we'll talk about these. Now, when Festus was come into the province after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. Let them therefore, said he, which among you are able to go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, he went down onto Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews, which came down from Jerusalem, stood round about and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. All right, that was a lot of Bible verses. <clears throat> so let's start in verse 1. Who is Festus? Your mouth's full of food. I'm not calling on you. Washington. Well, he could act as a Roman judge, but that wasn't his title. Nope. That was Tarullius. 
So he is not the mayor, uh, although he's stationed in Caesarea. What's what's the next office above mayor? Governor. Good. So he was the governor. He was the governor of what? Good. He was the governor of Judea. And for the hat trick, Wayne, who was the previous governor of Judea? Very good, Felix. Who was the governor before Felix? Don't let the board fool you. You let the whiteboard throw you. It was not. Anyone? Pontius Pilate. Very good. I know you did. <laughs> so Festus, put that away in your pocket. There you go. Okay. Festus was governor, and he just took over for Felix. Paul has been in prison in Caesarea for two years under Felix. So now Festus is governor, and he inherits this problem of this Jewish guy that has been in prison for two years. The Jews in Jerusalem want to kill him, and he still has no charges. They haven't charged him with a crime. So this is a mess. Let's see. What are the options that Festus has? He can release them, but what's the problem if he does that? Who? He's going to make the Jews mad. You got it. So he can release them, but he's going to make the Jews mad. And he's the governor of where? Judea. So does he want to make the whole populace mad? No. So that's a tough one. What's his other option? Yes, he can take them to Rome. What's the problem with that? There's no charges. What are we charging him with? We're going to bring him to Caesar and says, here's this guy. He needs to stand trial for what? I don't know. Okay. And what's the third option? He can't. Okay. So, so here's the thing. <clears throat> so he can't kill him. And this is something that we might not think of when we read the Bible, but believe it or not, in Rome, there was a good amount of law and order. There was a lot of corruption. But if you read history, you find that the guy that ordered all the babies two years old and under to be killed down in Bethlehem, he got ripped in pieces for that. Now, he wasn't literally killed for it. But the higher-ups, they're like, this is not okay. He had to answer for that. And he escaped being executed by just a bit. Okay, you can't just go off and do things like this in Rome. That was not okay. So even though there is corruption and even though people are killed illegally, a lot of times people had to pay for it. Carlos, what you got? Yes, his three options are let him go and all of the Jews are mad at him. And he just became governor, so you don't want to do the first, okay, the first thing, everyone's mad at you. He could bring him to Rome, to Caesar, but he doesn't have charges against him. Or number three, he could release him to the Jews, but he knows that the Jews are going to kill him. He was already made aware of that plot in, I think it was chapter 23 and certainly 24. Yes, sir. Who? No. No. But we'll go over, yeah, different stories, but we'll go over a little bit of the history. All right, so now let's look at verses 2 and 3. The high priest and the Jews in Jerusalem are still complaining about Paul, and they still want to kill Paul. How long have they felt this way? At least two years. <clears throat> They have had a serious resentment of Paul for two years. Now, let me ask you this, and we're going to go somewhere with this. It's going to make sense. And, and out of this whole chapter, this is one thing we can take away and, and help us. Has their hatred of Paul in those two years affected Paul in those two years? I don't think so. Paul was under house arrest. He was allowed to write letters. He was allowed to have visitors. 
He was protected by the Roman soldiers. He was not in fear for his life. And he wasn't in a dungeon. Here's my point. The resentment that the Jews have toward Paul, this hatred that they've held on to for two years. So he's in prison for two years. A new governor shows up. The new governor talks to the Jews and they say, whoa, first matter. We got this prisoner we got to kill. That is paramount on their mind. This is the most important thing. There's this guy, we got to get him killed. They have this hatred of Paul that I believe has been eating them up for two years. And it doesn't affect Paul. I think Paul's probably been sleeping like a baby every night. For two years, the Jews are holding this resentment and resentment will kill you. As a Christian, we are not allowed to hold on to resentments and to hate people. It is one of the most damaging things to us personally that we can do. And when I have a resentment and a hatred towards someone, so let's say that I just hate Louis here. It is, it is the same as drinking poison and hoping he dies. That's what hatred and resentment does to me. Doesn't affect him. He might not even know about it. He doesn't lose any sleep over it. As a Christian, it ruins me when I have that. What are we commanded to do? Turn to Matthew 5, 44. I'll give you a second to get there. If you're in the, the last book of the Old Testament is the prophet, the Italian prophet Malachi. Go one more book to the right. You'll hit the New Testament. That's the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 and 45. This is an important one. I want you to see it. If it's not underlined in your Bible. Are you guys underlined people? Do you underline and highlight your Bible? except for the dozen of you that are looking at your Bible on your phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My app has a highlighter on it. <clears throat> so this is, this is an important one. In Matthew, this is Jesus speaking. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Now, let me ask you this. When you have a resentment towards someone, when you hate someone, do you feel like praying for them? Do you feel like loving them? Do you feel like blessing them? Do you feel like doing good to them? Do you feel like praying for them? No. This is the call of Jesus. He says, these things over here are what you would naturally do. Naturally, you feel this way, and that's normal. Jesus isn't condemning you for having these feelings. He's saying they're just not okay because they're bad for you. They're going to kill you. So you need to do this over here. What is not natural. You need to love them, pray for them, do good for them, bless them. If we have a resentment or a hatred in our life from someone who has done us wrong, and don't forget the damage they did to us might be real. It might be totally justified that we hate them. We're not saying that it didn't happen. What we're saying is the way to fix it is over here. Let me ask you a question. Hurting people, people who hurt, what do hurting people do? They hurt people. When we run into these people, we need to look at them as if they are a sick person in need of help. I'm not saying it's what we want to do. I'm saying it's our only option. Okay, let's get back to the story. 
Who was the high priest at this point? It's not Ananias. Ananias was the high priest at the end of chapter 23 and 24. Festus, the evil former governor of Judea, had him killed. Yeah. What's that? I said you didn't tell us. Well, no, I did not. Ishmael is the new high priest. Just to give you where we are, there, there is a new one. So that's who we're talking about is telling uh, Festus that they want Paul dead. Now, in verses 4 and 5, the Jews wanted Paul back in Jerusalem so they could kill him. It says it very clearly. And Festus says, no, he's staying in Caesarea. So now let's talk about Caesarea. What is Caesarea? It is a town. Can we sit? Can you tell me anything else about it? What's that? No. You would sail from it to Cyprus because it is on the coast. What's that? It is a Roman town. Caesarea, let's start with this on a map. So Caesarea is right here. Caesarea is halfway in between present-day Tel Aviv and Haffa. Haffa is right here. Tel Aviv is roughly right here. So that's where Caesarea is. Caesarea is the center of Rome in Judea. That's their capital. That's the Roman capital. We always think, well, the Roman capital must be in Jerusalem because that's the most important city that we talk about and read about, but that's not the case. So the capital is Caesarea for the Romans. That's where the Roman governor is. That's where the, I don't know, the, yeah, or like the, well, not really because they were more in control. That, how about this? That's where the courthouse would be. That's where the jail would be. That's where the, I don't know, the main post office or whatever else the government does. Okay. The, where, wherever else, however else the government wastes their money, the, the, your, your money, they would do it in Caesarea. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Stop bad-mouthing the IRS. Yeah. Okay. So that is where Rome had its capital in Judea. Now, in verse 6... Why did Festus stay in Jerusalem with the Jews for 10 days? And the answer is not found in verse 6. So I'm I'm asking your opinion. Because all I have is my opinion. I think it was politics. He denied the Jews their request for Paul, and he was continuing to meet with them as the new governor to try to gain their favor. That's what I think was going on. He was trying, because he started out with this group that just hated him. He's trying to smooth things over. That's my guess. I don't know if I'm right. In verse 7, the high priest and the rest of the Jews did the same thing that they did two years ago. So they're doing this now in front of Festus instead of the former governor, Felix. But when you go back to chapter 4, you find out this whole scene played out before in front of Felix. They accused Paul, but look in verse 7, it says the last three words, could not prove. So they accused Paul of those things which they could not prove. And then in verse 8, Paul in kind repeats what he said two years prior. So if you read chapter 24, you kind of see the same thing play out. He says, I didn't break any laws of the Jews or of the Romans. So I don't know what we're doing here. In verse 9, Festus has the option of transferring this case to the Jews in Jerusalem. It would make the Jews happy, and he would no longer have to deal with Paul. So why did Festus ask Paul if he would go to Jerusalem? He's the governor of Judea. Why is he asking the prisoner, hey, would you mind if we went down to Jerusalem and you can stand trial there in front of me? (laughs) Yep. 
That's the idea. This is if we can, if Paul, if we can just go down to Jerusalem, it'll all be done. Everyone will be happy. Paul won't be happy because he'll be dead. Okay. But Nick said it. He didn't go down there because Paul was a Roman citizen. A Roman judge could not move a case to another court without the consent of the accused. It was a law they had on the books to prevent corruption. So he the only way Paul could go to Jerusalem and face the charges down there was if he consented after he after Festus asked him and Paul's like no we're not going no we're not going there I am a Roman citizen I have rights he knew his rights and he refused to go to Jerusalem and Paul appealed to Caesar and that's what we read in verses 10 and 11 So in verse 12 Festus really doesn't have a choice in the matter unless he wants to deny a Roman citizen his rights. And that was a dangerous thing to do. You could be removed from office. So that's where we are. All right, we're going to read verses 13 to 21, and then I got a few more questions for you before we start with verse 13. So let's get a few more Verses under our belt, and we're going to be about halfway done with this already. Starting in verse 13. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice came on to Caesar to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, there's a certain man left in bonds by Felix. So did you notice, what does Festus start out by doing? But when he said that, what was he doing? He threw Felix, the predecessor, under the bus. He's like, by the way, there's this guy that's been in jail for two years. Before I got here, yeah, he was making sure that King Agrippa knew that this isn't my fault. It's just my problem that I'm about to tell you about. Okay, verse 15, about whom when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him, to whom I answered, it is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before, before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. Therefore, when they were come hither without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive." And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus, I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Okay, so we got a bunch to go over here. So, so Festus was relaying to King Agrippa, who just showed up, these are the things that you've missed, which for us, it's the third time we're reading about. All right, I am going to <clears throat> read, uh, I am going to quote something, and I'm going to see if you guys know what it is I'm quoting. In all criminal prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy and public trial. What is that? <laughs> I had to memorize this in high school, and I had to memorize it in college because I was a criminal justice major. What did I just quote? This is bad that you guys don't know this. It's not what? It is the Sixth Amendment to the Constitution. My freshman year, intro to criminal justice, I had to memorize the Bill of Rights. 
Okay, that was literally one test, and it was a page on the final. It just said First Amendment and several blank lines. Second Amendment, they wanted it. Oh, yeah, and you you got deducted for every comma you missed. Yeah, they, they, they said, look, this, this is important. Now, <clears throat> folks, you all need to know your rights, and it's a shame when an American doesn't. Okay, Moses, if you were ever questioned by the police, what is the only thing you're allowed to say to them? Lawyer. Okay, I have taught all my kids that. When the police question you, you are allowed to say exactly one word to them, lawyer. Now you think, why would you teach them that? What do they have to tell you when they arrest you? You have the right to do what? Remain silent. Why? Why would you need this right? Because everything you say, what will they do with it? They'll use it against you. They're saying every time you open your mouth, we're going to write it down and figure out a way to use it against you. That's what we're telling you. And you have the right to not say anything to us from here on out. Guess when you also have that right? Before you get arrested. Now, I'm not saying at a traffic stop, don't hand your license to somebody. I'm saying exercise that right. Know your rights. Okay. What else does the Sixth Amendment guarantee? You do have that. You and and to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation and to be confronted with the witnesses against him. Now, did Paul get a speedy and public trial? No. It's been, it's been two years. Has Paul been charged yet? Nope. So he has not been informed of the nature and cause of the accusation. And has Paul been confronted with, with witnesses against him? No. In chapter 24, Paul relays the story and says, when I was in the temple, I was in the temple with several guys when they said that I started a riot. Where are those guys? Bring them here. Have them be a witness. They were right next to me. Why aren't they telling us what happened? No witnesses were present. Okay, so Paul was being railroaded. All right? Over two years, no charges against him, no witnesses. Okay, that was all free. That was free legal advice. <clears throat> you know, you can get a little pocket-sized constitution. They give them out, like, everywhere. I probably have a stack of a dozen of them in there. It's a good thing to read over. All right, <clears throat> verse 13, <clears throat> excuse me, who is King Agrippa? He's something to do with Rome. He's not the Caesar. We're going we're gonna to get to that. No. <clears throat> so let's, <clears throat> let's go over Agrippa. Agrippa is the last of the Herods. We're going to go over this. Yeah. <laughs> Bernice, King Agrippa's wife, is the sister of Drusilla, the wife of Felix, the former governor of Judea. There, There is, we're not going to draw it all out. Now, this is the weird part. Bernice was also the sister of King Agrippa. Yes, you heard me correctly. King Agrippa's wife was his sister. Herod Agrippa II married his sister Bernice. The Jews did not approve because the law of Moses forbids this. We find this in Leviticus chapter 18 and also in Leviticus chapter 20. So the Jews did not approve or trust this guy whatsoever. Incest in, the, in Rome was not all that uncommon. They, there are lots of crazy and perverse, wicked nonsense that was going on in Rome. This is one of those things. 
So Rome gave Herod Agrippa II legal jurisdiction over the temple in Jerusalem. So it was logical that Festus was going to share Paul's case with him because he was involved in this area. So now let's talk about the Herods. The dynasty of the Herods were Edomites. Who can tell me where Edom is on a map or who's an Edomite? (laughs) They are. So the Edomites... No, don't say that. Uh, Idumea. The Edomites, they were actually further south and they got chased up this way. Now, who were the Edomites? They were. They did live in Edom. That's good. So who lived in Edom? Where did these guys come from? This is not an easy one. We have gone over it before, Nick. That's right. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25, verse 30. And now, I'm just going to... So I know you all don't have a Bible like this. Mine has this big wide margin around it. Whenever I run into stuff like this, I write little notes of who he was and what's an Edomite. And then I write in there Genesis 2530. So whenever I read it over again, years from now, I'll have a reference. And so I do that with my Bible all over the place. It's a great help because the next time we come upon it, you're not going to remember it. I'm not going to remember it, but we'll have a note that tells us where to look it up. Genesis 25, verse 30. And Esau said to Jacob, feed me, I pray thee, with the same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. What's that? No, no, no. Just uh, that was the story when Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. So Isaac, him and his wife had kids. They were having twins. When the twins came out, Esau came out first. He was the firstborn, and Jacob grabbed his heel. And then Jacob, the usurper, later stole the birthright of Esau. Because remember, the firstborn was supposed to be the one that was blessed, had the biggest inheritance. And what happened was Jacob's mom told him, let's go into your dad who's getting old now and let's get you this birthright. And he went in, he dressed like Esau. You remember this story? It's okay. Long story short, Jacob stole the birthright from Esau. So Isaac blesses Jacob and tells him, yeah, oh, he did it. Yeah. More than one time. Uh, Esau hated Jacob. So Isaac blesses Jacob and his kids. And anyway, now, follow me here. We have, we have Isaac. We have two kids, Jacob and Esau. Esau, we already learned, is the father of the Edomites. Who's Jacob the father of? Israel. Israel. What's Jacob's name changed to? It's changed to Israel. He's the father of the 12, which becomes the 12 tribes. So remember, the nation of Israel is named after Jacob. So the Jews are cousins to the Edomites. Are the Edomites Jews? No, they're not. They both have a similar descendant, Isaac, But remember, it's the 12 tribes that go to Egypt, and Moses frees them, and they get the law. The Edomites, their story is another one. Thousands of years. You got it. Absolutely. Thousands of years ago. Now, the Herods were Edomites. The Edomites came from Esau, the rival brother of Jacob. 
during the, the reign of the Hasmoneans, John Hieracanus forced the Edomites to become Jews under penalty of death sometime back around 134 to 104 BC. So roughly uh, 150 years ago, the Edomites were forced to become Jews. Now, were they Jews? No, but they were in the region of Israel. And when the Romans came in, the Romans had established the Edomites on the throne regarding them as kind of Jewish. So the Romans thought that they were doing this thing that the Jews would like because the Edomites, they're pretty close to you guys. Yeah, so we'll put them on the throne. The Jews hated it. And the Edomites did not try to be Jewish. They didn't, they were mostly Jewish in name only. They were not obedient to the laws of Moses and they were in charge and they were corrupt. So, uh, so let's go over this. The Jews did not like the Herods, nor did they consider them to be even the least bit Jewish. So let's go over the Herods. First Herod, Herod the Great. What is he known for? Babies. Babies. Babies in Bethlehem. What does Bethlehem stand for? Or what does Bethlehem... Yeah, what does Bethlehem mean? Uh, nope, that's close though. So what you're thinking of is Beth-El. Beth is God in Hebrew. El is house. Okay, Beth-El, house of God. Beth-Lachem... Mac, you said it. Yeah. Okay. Bread of God. <clears throat> yep. <clears throat> so Herod the Great was responsible for trying to kill baby Jesus when he was just a toddler. Then there is Herod Antipas. Uh, Herod Antipas. What's he famous for? Killing John the Baptist. Johnny B. <clears throat> yep. No. Nope. Nope. We're going to get there. So he killed John the Baptist when Salome danced for him. Cut off his head, put it in a jar. Herod Agrippa is famous for killing James with the sword. And then Herod Agrippa II is the one we're talking about right now. King Agrippa. Anytime you read Herod anything in the Bible, they are the enemy of the Jews. They are the enemy of the Christians. They are just monsters. All right, let's get into verse 14 to 16. Uh, from verse 14 till 21, Governor Festus is explaining to King Agrippa the problem he was left with from Felix. He explained why he had Paul left in Caesarea and ordered the Jews to come to him. In verses 17 to 18, he continues to explain, when the Jews came here, they didn't accuse Paul in the way that I was expecting. Instead, what does Festus tell King Agrippa they were talking about? I thought they were going to accuse Paul of all these things, but they didn't. They started talking about what? Nope. Yeah, they started talking about this guy named Jesus who's dead, and Paul wouldn't admit that. He kept saying, no, he's alive. That's what they were arguing over. And Festus is sitting there scratching his head thinking, I thought he was in charge of a riot, and he was, you know, we need to kill him. Like, what do we talking about this guy for so he's explaining all of this to king agrippa that the contention was that the jews said that jesus was dead and paul said he was alive and in verses 20 and 21 festus asked paul to go to jerusalem and he refused and then he requested an audience with augustus so now 
Let's talk about him. Who was Augustus? Go for it. Yes. Were they all over the same area, different areas? So, honestly, Nick, I don't remember if they were sequential or if there was anyone else that was in charge at different times. I'd have to look into it. Yeah, they were all involved with Judea. Yep. No, no, no. But they're all the same family. They all come from Herod the Great. That's why they all took the name Herod. Yeah, they were all relatives. But And all of them weren't sons. One of these guys is either a brother or an uncle or something like that. Yeah, I honestly, yeah, would have to look into it. I don't remember. So my study of the Herods was brief just to give us an overview. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's one of those ones where I say, uh, do your own homework, write out a family tree, you know, make it detailed, give me verses, and then email it to me. And I'll teach you to everyone, and I'll take credit for it right in front of you, because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is, but also, you got to remember, some are promoted, so people leave office for that reason, you know, not just dying. All right, so who's Augustus? He is a Roman person. I'll give half a golden star for that. What's that? No, all the way up. Caesar. He's the top dog. Julius was, I believe it was his uncle, and I actually wrote it down. It was his great uncle. Okay, so Augustus, Caesar, or until 27 BC, he was called Octavian. So whenever you read Octavian, we're talking about Caesar Augustus. His original name was Gaius Octavius. He was born in 63 BC and died in 14 AD. Now, Augustus was not his name. Augustus was a title, the August one, meaning uh, venerable or majestic. So that was Caesar Augustus. He was the first Roman emperor following the Republic, which had finally been destroyed by the dictatorship of who? Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, his great uncle and adopted father. So Julius Caesar was the one who claimed the title of dictator for life, that he was going to rule and he didn't need the Senate. And within a year, the Senate all got together and stabbed him 23 times. Uh, Included in that party was his best friend. Yep. There were two guys named Brutus. But have you ever heard the term et tu, Brute? Yeah. So that's when Caesar turned around and saw his friend uh, Brutus holding the sword, and he said, even you, Brutus, that's what it's from. Feel free to misuse that quote whenever you want, just to see. It's funny to me. I'll, I will misuse that on purpose just to see confused looks on people's faces, you know, to see if they even know. Because once in a while, you'll have someone go along with it, and you're like, dude, you missed the joke. But... <clears throat> So anyway, um, Caesar's assassination uh, made him a martyr and incited several civil wars all the way around Rome. Uh, Caesar Augustus, or Octavian, consolidated power and moved in and became uh, Caesar Augustus, uh, the emperor of the Roman, uh, or the emperor of the Roman Empire. Any questions on that? Mac, go ahead. Go ahead. You have a different question. Paul was in jail. That's exactly the point. There were no charges. So that's the problem. Yes. Yep. Yes. But let me ask you this. Why was he in there? Because there is a reason. Wash. Nope. Well, the Jews were complaining that he... So the question was, did it have to do with religious stuff? Yes, the Jews said that he... Uh, what did he do to the temple? He desecrated the temple. They were complaining. All of the charges were trumped up, but that's not really even the answer. Why was Paul locked up for two years, Moses? Nope. Because he was, 
so all of you are correct. You're just not giving me the answer that I want. And I'm going to back it up. No, seriously. I mean, everyone, everything everyone has said is part of the story and it is correct. Before Paul went to Jerusalem, he was done with his third missionary journey. He tells the people he's just south of Ephesus and he says, I got to go back to Jerusalem. And what did the people that were there, his friends from Ephesus, say to him? They said, we had a vision from the Holy Ghost. And if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be in prison for two years. And then he says, I'm going anyhow. And he goes to another town and another prophet shows up and says, God told me to tell you, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be in prison for two years. And multiple times he was told not to go. Okay. And he went anyhow. The reason he was in jail is because God said he was going to be in jail. God said, if you go to Jerusalem, you will be in jail for two years. Now, did he break the rules and mess up with the Jews like you said? Sure. Was he the only one there preaching Jesus and causing trouble? Sure. Everything we could say is true. But the reason he was in jail was because God said, if you go here, you will be in jail. Now, the, the specific circumstances that led to him going to jail are irrelevant. God said, my will is thus. If you go here, this will happen. So guess what? There it is. We're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> we don't know. And that was a debate we had one night, which was, should he have gone? Should he have not gone? I don't know. All right, let's, let's finish this chapter because we're close. Verses 22 through 27. King Agrippa says he would like to see Paul. Uh, the next day, Paul is brought in before King Agrippa and his wife. Verses 24 and 25, Festus states that his findings are that Paul is innocent. He has certainly not committed a crime worthy of death. In verse 26 and 27, Festus explains the problem that he has no charges to apply to Paul when he sends them to Augustus. So he's filling King Agrippa in on the issue, and he's saying, look, I don't know what to do here because I have to send him to Caesar, and we still don't have any charges. That's the end of the chapter. Now, <clears throat> next week, read through chapter 26. You're going to read about Paul's defense in front of King Agrippa. Paul's going to stand in front of King Agrippa, and he's going to give a defense for himself. Now, we have eight minutes till the top of the hour. So we are going to go over one more idea. Amy said, what's that? Anne, I'm sorry. <laughs> Met you for the first time a couple hours ago. I apologize. Anne said, I took a stab at it. I was honestly going to ask, but I was like, it's 50-50. Patrick, you're on a roll. Just, yeah. <laughs> Anne said that he wrote some letters while he was in jail. Okay, now, my question for everyone here is where was Paul when he wrote his letters? Not in, not in, not in okay, how about this? How many times was Paul in jail? What's that? Lots is correct. You say what? Okay, give me the three that you're thinking. Well, Judea is in Jerusalem or Jerusalem is in Judea. He was in Caesarea. C-A-E-S-A-R-E-A. -E -E okay, so Caesarea, which is right now, he was in jail, and he was in there for two years. Okay, Carlos? He was never in jail in Jerusalem that I know of. Where else was he in jail? He was in jail in Rome. He was in jail in Rome... Twice. He was in jail in Rome, and then he was freed, and then a few years later, he was arrested, and he was put back in jail in Rome, and that was the last time he was in jail, and he was executed while he was in there the second time. Where else do we remember him being in jail? This next one is a brief one. Okay, he was in jail in Philippi, I think it was. It was where they were only in jail for an evening and then the Lord broke them out. I think there was an earthquake maybe, or I don't, I'm kind of making this up on the go. <clears throat> when else was he in jail? 
Okay, I'm going to go over this, and I just want to give you this as an idea because once in a while you'll find that your Bible has study notes and they're going to tell you something, and they're not always right. So I just want you to remember that there's debate amongst certain things, and we're not sure. Uh, When I said, where did Paul write his letters? Louis said, we don't know, which I think is correct. But we do have evidence, and I'm going to show you a little bit about how you can use the Bible to draw a roadmap and come to a conclusion, even though it doesn't say specifically there are evidences. So Paul's imprisonment and letter writing. The question is, was Paul in prison in Ephesus? Now, Acts, the book of Acts, records no imprisonment up until he was imprisoned in Philippi, and we read about that in Acts 16. So if you want to follow along, I'll try to give you some chapters and verses that you can go home and look up on your own. There is no mention in Acts of any imprisonment in Ephesus, although in 2 Corinthians 6... And in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three, Paul says that he has been in prison frequently. That was Daniel's answer when I said, how many times was Paul imprisoned? And he said, lots, which is very true. Now, Paul was in Ephesus from 52 to 55 AD. Not in prison. He spent three years in Ephesus. We read about that in the book of Acts. Don't ask me to find the chapter. I didn't write it down, but we went over this because we're in the book of Acts. And 2 Corinthians was written in 56 AD. In 56 AD, and it was written when he was in Macedonia. And I'm pretty sure there's a few more vowels in there, so don't check my spelling. The point is that although the book of Acts doesn't say Paul was in prison in Ephesus, one year after he left Ephesus, one year after, he wrote 2 Corinthians. And what did he say in 2 Corinthians twice? I've been in prison a bunch. He said, I've been in prison frequently, even though the Bible only mentions him being in prison prior to that date one time in Philippi. So that means that he was in prison many other times that were not expressly written by Luke, the author of the book of Acts. Everyone with me so far? Okay. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15... Paul mentions in verse 32, he speaks about fighting wild beasts at Ephesus. Now you can believe one or two things. That was an allegory or it was literal. If it was literal, then that would give us more evidence that he was in prison during his three years in Ephesus And it could mean that Paul was actually thrown to the lions in the arena during that time. We don't know, but we do know that they did that to people in Ephesus. Paul, when you get to the book of, I don't need to write it up there, Philemon, if you ever want a quick read of a Bible chapter or book, read the book of Philemon. It's one page. Uh, Paul asks Philemon to have a guest room ready for him in Colossae when he was released from prison, implying that he was nearby. What's the city that Paul visited that's closest to Colossae? Boy, it's real small in there. It was Ephesus, which makes us believe that that's where he was writing the book of Philemon. And the book of Philemon was written when he was in prison. 
How do we know that? Because of the guy he met in prison. The whole book is about the guy he met in prison um, when, uh, when he was writing to Philemon. What was the name of the guy he met in prison in the book of Philemon? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's all right. It's not a common name, and he's only mentioned in one book of the whole Bible, and this is it. As far as I know, he might be mentioned somewhere else, but I don't think he is. The guy's name is Onesimus. What we would look at, Onesimus, <laughs> O-N-E-S-I-M-U-S, Onesimus. The story of Onesimus is that he was a slave owned by Philemon. Philemon lived in Colossae. And Onesimus fled from Philemon and stole a bunch of his property and then ended up getting caught and thrown into prison where Paul meets him. He leads Onesimus to the Lord and Onesimus confides in him and says, well, I belonged to this guy Philemon, and Paul writes a letter to Philemon asking him of how to handle the situation. So, again, Philemon, who was a slave, sorry, Onesimus, who was a slave of Philemon, who lived in Colossae, when he stole his goods and fled, it would make a lot more sense that he was picked up in nearby Ephesus, People often think that Paul wrote the book of Philemon when he was in prison in Rome. But that would mean that Philemon, once he took off, would have had to have traveled all the way to Rome rather than Ephesus, which was nearby. Now, briefly, or I should say in conclusion, was Paul in Ephesus? prison in Ephesus. We don't know. He could have been in Caesarea. He was under house arrest. In Rome, the first time he was arrested, he was under house arrest. The second time he was thrown in a dungeon. In uh, Philippi, he was thrown in a dungeon. So we don't know. What we do know is that Paul says that he's been in prison many, many times, and he wrote that right after he was in prison the first time in the book of Acts, which means that there were many times he was imprisoned that was not recorded in the book of Acts. And keep in mind, we went over this last week. The two years he was in prison in Caesarea, what does the Bible say about it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. He ends up in prison at the end of chapter 23. The first verse of chapter 24 says he was in prison for two years. That's it. So there's lots of portions of the Bible where we don't know what happens. What we can do, if you like to nerd out on the Bible, is you can put all the stuff down and start, you know, you ever see, what's that Russell Crowe movie where he was the math genius? Beautiful Minds. And he totally loses his mind and he's a paranoid schizophrenic. Yeah, yeah. And in that movie... He's like, he gets on medication and he, and he reconciles with his wife who was scared to death because he was just going nuts. And, uh, and all of a sudden, you know, things start to get a little worse and he doesn't seem as stable. And she wanders out to the shed in the backyard. And there's like this giant map of the world with like newspaper clippings and pictures and red string, like attached to everything as he's trying to, that's how I feel (laughs) when I'm like putting this stuff together and trying to figure out like, where did he go and what year was it and how did it work? And anyway, I don't know if this is helpful to anyone, but I enjoy doing it. So in the end, uh, we know Paul was in prison in Caesarea for two years from 58 to 60 AD. Uh, We just read about that in Acts 23, 24, and 25. He was in in prison in Rome for two years of his life from 60 to 62 AD under house arrest. He was then released and arrested again about 65 AD. He was thrown in a dungeon, and he was later put to death. He was decapitated. So we know about some of these places. We know that there were others. And we don't know for sure, or I should say this, I don't know for sure where he was when he wrote which letter to which church 
from which prison. We do know that he was in prison in several of them because he says so in the beginning of the letter. He says, thank this guy for visiting me in prison. And it's like, you couldn't tell us where or give us a date or like anything. So he leaves us to this. So anyway, that's kind of something to chew on. You know, did Paul write any letters when he was in Caesarea? Probably. Because remember, he was under house arrest. People could visit him. But here's another one. You ready for this? The books of Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Corinthians, Thessalonians, Philemon, okay, all of those books, they're letters that he wrote. Those aren't the only letters he wrote. He probably wrote hundreds more letters. Those are the only the ones that God deemed fit to be in the Bible. I'm sure he was writing letters to these churches a lot. It's not like we just got lucky and happened to collect the only letters that he wrote. These are the only ones that we deem as scripture. Okay, any questions before we close? Before we He does. Paul had a rap sheet, okay? He was mostly innocent. <laughs> yep. Okay, we'll have a word of prayer and we'll get out of here. Nick, you want to pray for us? Amen. Okay, everyone, read chapter 26 for next week. Thank you for coming. Welcome to our guests, Joel and Ann and Maria. Okay, thank you for coming. You're welcome here anytime. Have a good night.